Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode here with Rabbit Hole Stories. And as you can see, it's just us again. We thought we're going to try something different and speak about a few things that are on our mind. And lately, Ian, it's that we do it for the plot. What the hell does that mean? first came across this phrase um, recently in Amsterdam. Apparently it's a common phrase that the, what, the Gen Z use. I don't know how true that is. Maybe you guys can verify you Gen Zers. But yeah, doing it for the plot is like, you know, doing something for the sake of it and just sort of like for entertainment value. That's what I get from it, mate. But you pl- you, I, I tell you what, you see plenty of that in the, in, in the Bitcoin ecosystem, particularly on um, X, right? I think a lot of people put out stuff um, for just sort of like, engagement farming and uh, people are just sort of out there trying to get the likes and the amount of numbers and stuff on their posts and stuff. And I, you know, I don't mind too much about it, but it gets a little bit silly sometimes, particularly when people are just sort of trying to antagonize and get a reaction from people just for the sake of likes. And I think that's kind of, you know, against what Bitcoin is really, but Hey, that's what the whole fucking social media thing's about, isn't it? Surely, you know, social media is there in us, in us to sort of like be keyboard warriors, right. And be brave behind the keyboard. So, yeah, I don't know about you, Joel. What do you, what do you think? That's my little rant. So, first of all, I've never heard this uh, this expression. Uh, I think it was uh, Alex who told it to us because he had a... One of his writers in his agency told him this once. And he also told us a few <laughs> other stories about working with Gen Z, which was funny as hell. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but apparently it's like you do everything for the story, for the narrative, whatever, and you're trying to keep up with the current trends. Uh, and we thought we would take up this this topic because it's really fitting with a lot of the stuff we see in the... Bitcoin community these days, uh, where there are different angles that we can approach. Um, and I think one of the really first ones is really that, uh, first of all, there are a lot of retards online. And I mean, like proper retards, you know, not just I'm, the ones I'm who offended, are retards. Joel, you can't say that. Oh, all right, freedom Snowflake. is <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, if you're offended by <laughs> calling, if I call you a retard, then you're <laughs> definitely a retard. We might Mate, get censored for this watching, on YouTube. I was, but watching, I was watching Wolf of Wall Street the other day, and we know when he takes the um, sort of um, the doobaloopas and he throws them. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> When he takes the, uh, the 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 craloids, whatever, and then he's on the phone, and then it, it kicks in, and then he, he goes into what he called the cerebral palsy phrase, and <laughs> he's just on the ground going. But anyway, we're on the on the we're on the timeline here, mate. So crack on. I'm just I'm just talking. Uh, shit. Honestly, had... this could be a lot of bitcoiners at at, um, at <laughs> depending how long the meetups last and like mm, a few mm. conferences. Mm, mm. But um, my main thing sort of is the. Um, it's almost a cognitive dissonance, I think it's called, where sometimes we go, oh, you know, I don't know, Bitcoin is superior money or it's it's super scarce and these kind of things. And I've actually seen a YouTube video today by Nico Yilch. It's a German video, unfortunately. So sorry to the listeners. But he mentioned that you certainly see that all of the governments, you know, are seizing like 50k Bitcoin over here, 60k Bitcoin over there. Granted, that maybe that's stupid as the US government that they're selling it again. But you certainly see these capture points where this really goes against narratives we've been saying, like, oh, they can't steal my Bitcoin and these things. And, you know, you sort of see this cognitive dissonance in the community as well, where they sometimes go like, oh, yeah, we're so safe. We don't need to worry about these things. And just from a don't trust verify perspective, I then often go like, 
shouldn't we actually worry about these things? You know, shouldn't we do more to verify, like, can they steal private seats from, I don't know, uh, cloud providers? I'm just thinking of Rick with his story with the lost mm -hmm. 25 Bitcoin or whatever. Um, and this is sort of the thing I went, like, do it for the plot is literally a saying the whole community takes on, especially on social media. Yeah, I, I was going to bring Rick into this as well when you were talking, like he's prime example, right? Where, you know, no matter how careful you want to be, he held Bitcoin for 10 years. And despite that, you know, through um, just sort of complacency, I suppose, I think he called it and a little bit of... Um... I mean, technically, he's still holding them, just not in his wallet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Rick. Hardcore hodler. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, the prevailing narratives within Bitcoin, I think you need to be careful of it and you know just remember that the algorithms within these social media platforms want you to uh, stay on the platform as long as possible right because they're in competition of other social media networks and i think we lose sight of that and i think you know we then when we start engaging in in uh, x and other social media platforms um we didn't just sort of like get sucked into the demands of the algorithm right and uh, you know when, when you start looking at stuff and engaging with people then you start seeing their sort of posts again and again and again and it, it's a dangerous path to go down don't be fooled by the uh, algorithm so you know really sort of seek out new different perspectives i think of in the space because i think it's easy just to get lost down this rabbit hole because the algorithm is trying to sort of force you down this certain route so i think we need to sort of like think about that when we're sort of engaging on x about the types of things that we're interested interested in within Bitcoin and how that can reinforce and become like this self-fulfilling uh, prophecy and this kind of echo chamber and this cognitive dissonance and you start thinking yeah I'm on the right path but all it is is that you're getting sucked into this sort of like whims of Elon Musk's algorithm right yeah and it's not i mean elon musk uh, microsoft who own linkedin you know i, I start seeing it everywhere yeah, yeah don't get yeah, us started on yeah, like meta yeah. and facebook and things mm. um but yeah particularly uh, x of course with bitcoin um x twitter whatever mm. um but i had something else that came to mind ian when you spoke about you know getting sucked in and then sort of having uh, not realizing what you actually present or not present let's call it this way um for a lot of people in the Bitcoin community, Bitcoin sort of becomes their personality. And if I could find the tweet, I will link it below where um, Fernando Nikolic, I think is his name, the guy, the head of comms by, from Blockstream, who does the Bitcoin perception uh, media newsletter. He put this out recently saying like, okay, you like Bitcoin, but it shouldn't be your whole personality. And I think a lot of people just take it on so extremely. Whereas sometimes if I'm at a meetup, honestly, I go to the meetups to First of all, get to know fellow Bitcoiners, because you never know who is one, right? To hear their stories, maybe they work in an interesting company and they're trying to orange pill their boss or something. But I then sort of get bummed out if someone then starts of like, oh, you know, Bitcoin means that much to me that like, I don't know, I, I will, whatever, tattoo it on the back of my head or something like this, you know, it's an extreme <laughs> example, but this over, this over emotionlessness where they go in and they go like, oh, it's everything to me. And I kind of sit there sometimes and go like, really? Like, mm. I get if you feel lost or stuff in the world and you finally have something which gives you hope, but like, it shouldn't be your entire personality. So I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm seeing this more and more to a point where I go, I find this pretty pathetic. I think you should have other interests in life as well. I mean, um, Bitcoin is highly addictive for sure, right? It's, you know, it's easy to get hooked on it. Um, and um, I mean, for me, I can only speak personally, right? 
I know what it's done is it's changed my mindset in the sense that it's given me a different perspective and it's almost given me this incentive to sort of like uh, hope uh, or give us a chance towards a different um, or maybe better future. And that the only way I can really uh, work towards that is by doing a podcast like this and engaging with people in X and all that sort of stuff. And just because I believe that there is some promise and, and uh, I believe that it, it can sort of disentangle us from the legacy system that is overreached so much that you know we're we're sort of like bound up by it so i think it does have promise to sort of loosen the um the 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 the, the shackles that you know the state has put upon us right but i think um that and that's where the addiction comes in for a lot of people and this obsession about um always constantly um pushing their own agenda and their narrative but i think a lot of people what they do is actually they, they attach their pre-existing legacy mindset to Bitcoin without actually doing the hard work and actually thinking about it in different ways and different perspectives and keeping an open mind. And I think initially when I first went into Bitcoin, yeah, it was kind of all encompassing. It was, it was overwhelming a little bit. And then I, I started feeling the, the effects of the addiction a little bit. But now, you know, once I'm now integrating within the space a little bit, I'm kind of actually, do you know what? I'm taking a little bit of a step back. I'm just being observant. I'm, I've got an open mind and I'm just sort of like, just accepting that I understand Bitcoin and I'm interested in it and I want to talk about it, but I'm not sort of like a hard lined, this is the only way, blah, blah, blah. And I think we get lost in this kind of agenda driven uh, motivation. And I think we should just sort of like, just be a little bit more chill. Um, and some people are a little bit over like intense about bloody Bitcoin, right? They're a little bit well, mm. mate, you need to just sort of like come off of huffing the Bitcoin fumes a little bit and just take a break in a minute and come off a little bit of a detox and look around the world a little bit because you're getting lost down this particular rabbit hole that is a little yeah. bit, you know, of a wrong turn. But yeah. And I think, again, like you should have different interests to form a, a whole community. What I mean by this is, it's not helpful if we all say orange is the best color, you know, because then sometimes orange, everyone, uh, the, well, I'm just looking at an orange phone, uh, phone case. So like, who am I to judge? But like, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this has a system. Bitcoin behind forced it. me always, to like orange. And I refuse no, no, to. no, no, no. I always lose my fucking phone on my couch or somewhere at home because I had like a dark uh, uh, case. So I went like, what's the most obnoxious color that is? And I went like orange, of course. So I, I find it every time I'm looking for it. Um, but no, on a different note, I, for example, I don't see an issue. Uh, let's take a current event, the Bitcoin ETFs. I find them a net positives. Is it paper Bitcoin? Yes. Mm. Could we potentially run into a problem with like rehypothecation and all of these things? Definitely. But let's be honest, this has always existed with exchanges. They rehypothecated everything. And the ones who are still standing are just the ones who probably did it the best, I guess. And yeah. then secondly, at one point, it was inevitable that Wall Street would be interested. Whether that be from a price standpoint or other things, the technology, um, it, it's just another benefit of actually talking to people who already have shitloads of money and they go, oh yeah, I'll call up my broker. I want to allocate 20K to this. They'll buy it. If the price pumps and they get more interested, there's a chance for us to orange pill them. And if not, hey, they have their ETFs, they're happy. Who am I to judge? And then secondly, another narrative which I think has been born out of this Bitcoin bubble is 
because everyone sort of has that libertarian uh, mindset, which I, I identify with a lot of the things that are being said there, not everything, but a lot of it, uh, there is this sort of belief that, you know, you don't need outside help. You know, the word venture capital, for example, gets thrown around in a bad mood. Me, myself, working for a Bitcoin startup who actually has gotten as far and as quickly as we did because we got venture capital, I then just see it from the different perspectives where I go... If we now have person A and person B and one is pro, one is against talking with each other and we actually realize what the benefits are, we start learning how the ecosystem is being influenced or, or how it's being shaped because there will be a future where no one will own an UTXO because the fees will spike. So what will they do? They either will go to hopefully good enough self-custody layer two solutions, or they will have to trust a Bitcoin bank or something. Hal Finney, I think, even said it a couple of months after being in Bitcoin, that it's actually a no-brainer to have Bitcoin banks, which then also sort of issue circular token economies and these kind of things. Mm. He was more thinking about fiat. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe you could basically issue a token economy with milli Satoshis or just regular Satoshis or, uh, I don't know, half a K Satoshis. Well, insert whatever you want to say. Um, but we only get to these um, thought principles, I think, if we have these discussions and if people have different interests and not everyone sort of sitting there and going, oh, yeah, 50K by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Mate, you know, you raise a few good points there. Um one of them, the only comment I'd, I'd what are you say, saying? I'm always raising good points. Mm, anyway, um, <laughs> the um, thought I had was that, or recently and or ongoing, is that that initially I suppose I had like this fantasy in my mind about my utopia of Bitcoin and what it might look like in the future. But who the fuck am I to sort of like have that fantasy and hope that it goes in that direction, right? I'm one fucking middle-aged fucking white dude from London, like, thinking about this fantasy, right? And I think that's where we get lost, you know, is in that fantasy. And we get fixated on it because I think one of the fucking hardest things that we can ever sort of um, navigate in our lives is hope. Hope is a fucking difficult thing in the sense that you get fixated on the fantasy and you're hoping for it so much that it's going to blind your other uh, ideas and perspectives and narratives that are coming in and different ideas and you're going to fight against it because that fantasy is appealing, right? You're going to think, oh, yeah, well, it's going to be a place where everyone's going to be self-custody, their own sovereign individual, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds nice, mate. But in reality, we've got how many billion people on the planet? How many of them are actually going to be interested enough to self-custody? You know, in long enough time frame, who the hell knows? My fantasy of Bitcoin is not going to happen, mate, because, you know, I'm just one person. And there's all, other, all these other people with different ideas and people are going to want a safe place to put their Bitcoin. And it's not going to be on still all the time uh, by all mm -hmm. people so i think yeah that's that's something we need to sort of bear in mind is that we're we should live in the now and i think this is something that rick was alluding to a little bit as mm -hmm. well about mm -hmm. you know spending a lot of time fantasizing about if you, we should actually think about now and what we can do now to sort of like think about uh how bitcoin can evolve and just sort of be part of that journey and pass it on to the next people that come along and where are we going to go i don't know yeah, and you know, uh, mentioning the word hope, two things there. So the first thing is, I remember seeing a, 
I think it was an ad or it was, oh no, it was actually a documentary uh, when I was at uni where we learned the influential meaning of messaging in communications. And there was an mm. example with like a Microsoft ad. So, you know, typical, like we have the best um, technology and blah, 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 blah. And there was a Apple ad from 1997. It's the famous one where Steve Jobs basically saved the company with this ad where it went. Um, it's a message to the people who are a bit differently and all of these things for the um, uh, round um, uh, pegs in a square hole, something along these lines, um, or maybe the other way around, I can't remember. And he actually, uh, at the middle part of that ad, there is a more a lengthy version of it. He said, once you realize that everything that has been made up is made up by humans who had different thoughts, different experiences, different things, you do actually realize you can change the the, the surroundings around you, whether that be products, uh, the way people think about you, whatever. Um, and you can influence the world the way you want it to have influenced. Whether that will pay off the way you want to think about it, that's a different story because it's like you say, Ian, it's just like one voice. But I think the more we have people who share these kind of principles... And to then actually uh, dare to speak out if they don't like or like something. Um, I think this is what's going to be very influential. And the second thing is on the topic of hope, because this sort of gives you hope that like, yeah, I can be part of the change, right? And the second thing is um, we are currently working at a very cool campaign uh, in the company. And uh, the number one thing we did in a brainstorming session was... Uh, what is Bitcoin to most of us? And, and hope mm. was one of the first answers because mm, mm, for mm. me, if I save in Bitcoin, I know I save in an asset that on a long enough time frame for now um, is actually appreciating in value. This time frame might yeah, be shortened yeah. in the next couple yeah. of cycles because we always drop less, yeah. less volatility and all of these things. Um, and it's really something... I'm okay with never owning a house, for example. I, I don't really fuss about this. Um, but there may be different things that you want to have. Security net, uh, safety net, sorry. Certain security, you want to live in a, in a nice neighborhood or something like this. And having Bitcoin gives me the feeling of, I might get there. It might not be today, but it will be in the, in a, in the future's time. And I think this is what people um, sort of cling on to. But the message I want to give up to not ramble too long here is we really need to think differently about these things that we actually yeah. put out. If you don't like something, even though it's super narratively driven now, speak up. Your plot can definitely mean something else than the plot that everyone is praising about. And I mean, it's sort of usually if everyone uh, swims along the tide, you're not doing something right if you swim with them. So I guess if you really want to influence and change something in the Bitcoin ecosystem, it's always good to bring in your own perspectives and share it. 100%. For example, like Ian is doing with his shorts now. I'm just too mm. lazy to put out shorts for our uh, uh, podcast channel. <laughs> Ian is taking over <laughs> 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 but he's doing a phenomenal job with it and i think the more we do this the better it will be for the ecosystem yeah one last thought before we round up is that i think don't get lost in the hope is is what i would say and um yeah um yeah don't get lost in the hope and just sort of keep an open mind and just remember about how you can get caught up in the algorithms of things and just sort of expand your knowledge and your perceptions on things but what do you guys think um give us some feedback engage in the conversation and uh, let's have a conversation and always, always as always stay curious